What's up, everybody? Welcome to your latest installment of Nuclear Barbarians. It is I, your nuclear barbarian, Emmett Penny, and I am here with Darius Mordazavi. And I'm stoked to talk to this guy because he knows stuff about stuff that I don't know anything about, which is my favorite type of guest to have. Darius, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. No, I'm uh, real excited to be here. Appreciate you. Yeah. So I found out about you through We Both Run uh sort of are you daily over at the column i no actually I, i'm three times a week but uh so I previously, week. previously attempted five times a week but that did not uh didn't pan out for me too long yeah it's a grind um but oh yeah uh you run um uh, another sort of like industrial oriented uh newsletter um the column which is great everybody by the way all this stuff is going to be in the show notes subscribe to darius's work um <laughs> And uh, you've now started to branch out into something that is a little bit more your own called Feedstock Land, which is a substack. So before we get into Feedstock Land and all that, who the hell are you, man? Uh, What's your background? How'd you get into this stuff? No, I mean, that's it is kind of weird to end up like in the uh, Internet scene of talking about industrial stuff. So, yeah, it's always worth the story. (laughs) Um, The real short version is basically that I was studying chemical engineering. Um, You know, I did the sort of internships that people did but I got really fixated on like when I would ask say you know my manager like where that stuff was coming from like why are we getting Exxon Mobil's propane like what like and and who's there's like all this other stuff it's all connected and it was frustrating me that when I would ask questions people wouldn't know because they were just like very simple questions at some point they like basically they sent me downtown to go meet with someone that was like at the headquarters and so I asked that guy a ton of questions end up interning with his group the following summer and when I was there I basically just like you know met all these old people that basically know a lot about the industry right I mean it's mm-hmm. it's the chemical industry so it's a uh, it's a little old in some sense um yeah a lot of yeah. a lot of gray beers <laughs> out there for sure I mean I but that means like lots of long long lunches and like stopping by people's cubicle for an hour like things like that and uh you do enough of that you get enough context and basically one thing led to another and I wanted to stay up to date with the stuff but there was no way of staying up to date uh so i built this like web scraper to go and pull news for me like just a python scraper basically and at some point when covid happened and i realized oh i've got like a couple extra hours a day because i'm no longer walking around campus probably should do something with this scraper and i was really inspired by morning brew because it's kind of what got me like reading and stay up to date with news and so Mm -hmm. i wanted to do that for the chemical industry and when i looked around I realized that like nobody else was going to do this. And so I started doing it, um, you know, kind of on the basis of who knows what will happen. There's don't, doesn't seem like there's any real downside. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's, that is what, what the column became. And now it's been almost three years. So I, I, around this time, three years ago, I was like starting to like get it going. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I'm sure you've seen some great growth in that amount of time too. Um, because like you said, no one else is doing that. Like I know I learn a lot from the post of yours I've seen from the column and I'm not even anywhere near inside that industry. And so it feels like that's sort of what, it seems to me like the column is very like inward focused on the mm-hmm. industry. Like if you're in the know, you know, you might need things just boiled down for you, but that's because you're reading this on your commute. That's what's going on there. Feedstock land has a totally different vibe. So why don't you tell me like what I'm always interested, right? Cause I have this nuclear barbarians thing, obviously 
tell by my background. People who are just listening to this on audio, the background's sick. You're missing out. Super um, cool. First, first <laughs> thing, I, when I first met you, you had that as your background's first comment I made was like, that is sick. Yeah, that was done by my buddy Sterling Bartlett, who's a comic book artist in California. Um, and I was like, can you do Iron Maiden's Power Slave, but a nuclear <sighs> power plant? And he was like, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he's like, absolutely. Um, but I'm always sort of interested in like, you get into this stuff and then you realize there are more things you want to say to different types of people. Yes. And that seems to be what's happening with Feedstock Land to me. So why don't you lay, for, first of all, great title for the Substack. Why don't you tell me about Feedstock Land and what it's all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Feedstock Land is sort of born out of this like three year pent up. I've been writing about the industry, but in a in a bottle, right? So I mm -hmm. I am addressing uh, with, with the column. I I do write it in in third person. I am just trying to boil things down so they're easily understood. The motive there really is to give you know people in the industry something to talk about, like news to discuss. But like it's one thing to have topics and stay up to date, right, and give some context for what's going on. But it's really hard to like have a really good discussion about that stuff if you don't know the history, like the deep stuff too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's so basically, feedstock land is the result of I've wanted to say these things for a long time. Um, I've realized at this point that I can do that, um, and it's the goal of it really is to sort of take a look at the entire like chain of uh, where stuff comes from and mm -hmm. sort of elucidate like the parts that are the material aspects so you know that that ends up touching a ton of stuff uh it's going to be like very heavy sustainability uh but broadly speaking it's just trying to make it a lot more clear uh like where everything's coming from and, and why we should care about that yeah i love that because i think you have a similar instinct um to me though you have a way better technical background than i do right like i studied poetry and then i got a master's in the classics like I, I'm, I'm, yeah i'm not uh i'm not uh i'm not the typical guy that ends up over here but you know i was always like no like why did we stop building nuclear plants and somebody mm -hmm. would be like reason a and i'd be like that's partially true, but nothing's monocausal. Like, why did we stop? You know, until I got to the point where I was just like, oh, these problems were happening with the alloys they were experimenting with. That they had inherited from the Air Force and put into their turbines and it started to create over. I was like, all right, now I'm getting the level of specificity where I can be like, this is what is going on. And it feels like you're trying to give the audience that for feedstock land. Right. Maybe yeah, I mean, not like historically, but like, materially that's what you're trying to offer yeah i mean the i guess so I don't, have you heard of a um the the idea that basically you can play like infinite games and, and definite games so no, like, tell me about the, this like like the, the column is to me there is like an objective and audience and i know what i'm doing and i have a goal with it mm -hmm. v-stock land is a lot more exploratory like mm. i'm i'm just going to write what makes the most sense to write at for now uh like whatever direction that goes in we'll see it may end up being very heavy history like history might be a component in most of the pieces i don't i don't really know i think history is fascinating and the industry is so old and undocumented 
Mm-hmm. It, there's probably there's a lot a lot there too dude to yeah about for sure dude for sure like anytime you get into this stuff you're like damn there are like for real gaps in the archive it's infinite it's yeah infinite. <laughs> yeah it is infinite yeah it is infinite like its breath is like asymptotically infinite and then its depth feels like actually just time wise totally infinite you will never there will never be the history there will only be histories you know right. like that's where it has to go so why don't you tell me about this piece this is your sort of your inaugural piece uh, that you yeah. wrote for Feedstock Land called Visible Emissions and Invisible Problems, which I really liked. And it sort of gets into some basics about, well, we just need stuff. So why don't you tell me about like what the impetus for this piece was as your first one? Like, why is this the piece you had to write to launch Feedstock Land? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's actually partly inspired by you know, Doomberg recently popularized the oxidation ladder. Um, mm. I, I had I had heard about it, read about it on these like a weird chemistry websites before. But he, the first time I like saw something written very well about it was what he said. And I think that this sort of concept of like energy, like how much energy is required to do different things, says a, like is sort of one of the chemical industry's toughest things to get over. Um, mm. And, and I think that basically uh, addressing the energy piece first made sense because it's what we see. Um, and I wanted to be able to connect it to something that we do see. And so that's what I mean by the visible emissions, right? Like when you go and you, you're driving around industrial sites and, and you see like these giant, like, you know, there's like these like wispy clouds down below and there's like these giant billowing clouds that mm-hmm. are like spewing stuff, right? And it's like, oh, what is that stuff, right? And even me like having you know, study chemical engineering, right? Like first internship I'm on, I'm like driving by these plants and our reliability manager's driving us to like a dinner or something. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's, I, I don't know if it was me that asked or somebody asked her, right? Like, what is that? And he was like, oh, it's just water vapor emissions. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, <laughs> no emissions. It's all good. It's just water vapor. People are freaking out, right? Just like immediately apologetic of the industry. Mm. And um, he didn't mention that there's like CO2 and other stuff in there too. And like, any of the complexities. And I, I just felt like if I was confused about that, like we probably need to get clear on that with everybody. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a good sticking point for uh, everything else you might want to talk about. Right. Cause those emissions like are illustrative of, of the actual like problem, which is like heat intensive uh, energy driven processes or sorry, heat driven energy intensive processes. Right. Right. And so I think like, well, you said something really interesting. You said like, it's something that the, the industry itself struggles to get over, like, like almost to, did you mean almost to explain to people or, or what, like, what does that mean? Um, the industry, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't follow. No, no, no. So you said, said that like, when it comes to these intensive energy processes and the emissions they create, like this is almost like a stumbling block or something for the, the industry. Uh-huh. Is that in terms of like, it's public facing, like explanation of itself or something that they're trying to solve because of climate policy oh, yeah. or What's going on? I'm assuming it's like a little column A, a little column B, but why don't you just Definitely. give me the flavor of it? Yeah, the sense really is just that uh, a lot of industries say if you want to, if Apple wants to decarbonize, right? Like you just, you know, you have to have power, right? It's, it's just electricity, supply electricity, right. buy power purchase agreements, right? It doesn't work like that for the chemical industry. If you want to make chemicals, you need to like actually input the energy directly. And it's, you can't just like hook up a solar plant to it. Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. You, you, you need, you need to actually like, like the fundamentally, the reason these reactions work is that they are driven by heat. Um, 
it doesn't have to be that way, but that is how we do it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, basically you gotta, you have to get over this, uh, energy requirement, um, in some way or another. And right now we tackle with heat, but that's, that's where a lot of this, uh, emission comes from, right? It's, it's the burning of right. hydrocarbons and right. Yeah. And, and so I think there are a couple of things that are sort of like happening in my mind when I read your piece on the one, you know, you're always confronted with the physical limitations of the industrial world, right? Like modernity feels old now, you know, like a lot of these companies are like three century companies now they've been here the oh, yeah. 19th, 20th and 21st century. You know, it's not, it, it ain't no spring chicken in the game, you know? <laughs> um, and so people have invested in all of this physical capital, you know, and it's right. hard to swap stuff out. And at the same time, it seems like there's a pressing need for alternatives. So let me ask you sort of maybe a, a, a dumb question, right? Really simple, which is okay. uh, you said that it doesn't have to be that way, mm-hmm. but it is the way it is now. So like the way it is now, I'm guessing is like petrochemical involved. That's something you say in the piece. Can't really yep. get away from that at the moment. How could it be? Yeah, I mean, so I think a, a good example is like what I'm basically hinting at here is that you don't have to drive the process with heat. You could drive it with electricity. This mm. is not going to be the solution for every single right industrial process out there. It will work for some better than others. Um, and at, at some point, like it's about how quickly things can be rolled out. Um, but like we've been operating electrically driven processes for I mean, at least over a century, probably a century and a half. I don't know whether the chloracolite process started like the late 1800s or early 1900s, but the way we make chlorine in caustic soda is has always been the electrolysis mm-hmm. of brine. And um, you know, I think that it this sort of thing, it's it's not like intangible. Like we can produce chemicals in different ways. It just doesn't really always make sense to just zap stuff with electricity. Like that does not actually apply every in every single case. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. It's not just because it would be expensive or inconvenient, but because that's literally irrelevant to the industrial process involved, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Yeah, bit of both, bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that you mentioned, which I thought was great. It's sort of like everybody's trying to strike this balance between like what's efficacious, what's affordable, you know, and then like what's within their actual technical ability to yeah. achieve. What are the discussions within the industry about that? Ooh, discussions within the industry about it. Well, I think that, uh, I, I basically, I see a few things. Um, the big companies, right, like Dow Chemical, I see them mm. making multiple bets. I, I, they're pushing small modular nuclear, or at least they're like working with, you know, somebody on that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I also see them up in, in Canada trying to use hydrogen to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, burning hydrogen as a, as a heat source instead of strictly burning natural gas. Um, it, I mean, they're doing those two. There's, there's one more I'm, I'm dropping it now, but basically mm-hmm. they're, they're trying a bunch of different ways of, uh, of decarbonizing. Right. Um, oh, sorry. It's a, like carbon capture. Right. So you, you, oh, yeah. you basically, you burn and then you, you capture the carbon, right. Those are the three that they're trying. Um, and those are probably, that probably makes sense for them to do those things. I just hope that they're like also in the mood to, you know, snatch up any sort of startup that's developing technology faster, right? So mm-hmm. that way there's, there's a, uh, you know, there, there are alternatives in that. Uh, but I, I mean, the alternatives really are limited to 
uh, electrochemistry or um, yeah, I mean, that's, it, that's kind of what it boils down to. The right. day. Like you either, you either, you either burn something that doesn't produce CO2, you capture the CO2 you produce, you, uh, or you, you, I mean, you could do a totally different reaction too. I mean, we, we kind of, we kind of go up and down, like on the energy ladder a bunch of times to make chemicals. Like mm-hmm. you could probably take a different route. Mm-hmm. So you could, so you're saying you could even, you could use even more of what you're creating because there's always some sort of byproduct that comes out of this. Uh, and, yeah. and, and that, that would be in part a solution, maybe not like yeah, a no, total could... solution, but it would be helpful in a way. I think, um, the crux of it really is that like, we need this stuff. Um, and if you want to get that stuff, you have to start from something. And mm-hmm. I think that and eventually demonizes things like, uh, oil and gas, but there's nothing wrong with, with using, you know, petrochemicals in its, in itself. It's really mm-hmm. more that um where, where it ends up right so that's the whole plastics discussion and like you know where where does is this are all of these materials just being piling up somewhere is, is that is that a problem to what degree is that a problem mm-hmm. all that yeah yeah so what do you see like whenever somebody starts communicating on something i assume that they see that there's some sort of need to be met something isn't to their satisfaction and what's our, how things are already being talked about. So what is that true for you? And if so, what do you think needs to be corrected in the discourse around chemicals and energy? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. I think, I mean, the most, like the example I see most frequently is discussion about hydrogen. Um, mm. Dude, yeah, there my are, timeline is blowing up with hydrogen these days. It's, it's I've a, even had it's, like a couple <laughs> friends be like, "Well, what do you know about hydrogen?" And I'm like, "Uh, <laughs> yeah." I mean, I, I forget where I got it from, but there's the way I like to think about like uh, how how to break down uh, the uses of materials is: mm-hmm. are we using that material for its fuel value or its material value? Mm-hmm. And so with hydrogen, right, like you hear about green hydrogen, right? Producing it with electrolysis and so on. That sort of hydrogen, you you know, it's generally speaking, it's lower quantities. Um, that works, that makes sense for producing fertilizer, right? You need hydrogen produced fertilizer. Mm-hmm. If you don't get it from electrolysis, like you're not getting hydrogen. And so mm-hmm. you for, for things like that, right? Where you have a material application, hydrogen makes sense. Hydrogen probably doesn't make sense to propel trucks, right? But someone who produces hydrogen and, de- and delivers trucks with hydrogen probably wants their trucks to be powered with hydrogen, right? Like yeah. there are things like this that are really confusing to people. Like, why is this big company pushing hydrogen? Like, it's not that hydrogen doesn't have applications or that we shouldn't develop it or do any innovation that in that space. It's just that it doesn't always make sense. And being able to detect that isn't isn't easy um and it actually requires like research and and thinking right and it's not like you're you're we're not we don't learn enough in school uh and people generally speaking in other industries just have no line of sight to like chemicals and it's it's a whole big hodgepodge of words that doesn't make any sense to people yeah. and so there's there's just like a very large communication gap that's always been there you know no one is taking it taking this information and making it easy for you know, the, the broader educated community to, to, you know, to read up on. Um, it's just, it's just too hard to sort through that stuff. And 
I, I personally end up sorting through a lot of it. And so it just feels natural to, to lean into that stuff. Yeah. I think that's really, you know, when I was studying um, in philosophy in grad school, I would, I used to work at a gold gym as a personal trainer. Nice. And if ever, ever there was a really difficult book I was reading, let's say I'm reading Hegel. And I was like, how would I explain this to the guys in the back office at Gold's? Because that's how it would clarify it for me. You know, like I would have yeah. to be like very precise, and like very clear, you know, no ums or uhs or anything like that. It's just how would I do it with them? And, and that's what I, that's the feeling I got while reading your thing is I was like, oh, this is for somebody like me who's curious but really doesn't have facility with this. And what I, you said something really interesting in the piece, I think you said um, what you're trying to do is have your, help your audience to develop like an intuitive sense of right. whether or not a claim about the energy realities around chemistry makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. That, I mean, that's, it, it is a lot about developing intuition. Um, and I mean, so the, the next piece is, is a sort of like, a next level on top of the oxidation ladder that uh, is is talked about in this first one, um, because these sort of mental models, like ways to think about stuff, are really important. Like we need taxonomies for just having discussion. We need we need people to be all familiar with the same mental model to like immediately jump past it. Like we can't be explained to every single person like over and over and over, like how we need energy to make like why certain reactions require energy. Like that needs to be something that's quickly quickly understood so we can move on right mm -hmm. uh, and building that intuition for those sort of things um it makes sense because i mean i think the, the example i actually don't remember how much detail i went into it but um but the one i think about a lot is fire right like we're all familiar mm -hmm. with like a campfire right you if you want to get this fire started uh, you have to give it a little heat right mm -hmm. but once it's going it keeps going until it's out right that reaction releases energy um mm -hmm. And that's, that's intuitive to people. What's not intuitive to people is that like some reactions just require constant energy input because we don't see that in our environment. Like our environment is oxidizing. And so mm -hmm. that's what we do here, right? We don't do the opposite reaction out in, in the open air. Um, mm -hmm. So like what's the mysterious part of chemical reactors is that it's actually going opposite. And, and it's the whole thing. You can develop intuition for it, but it does, uh, does need to be written out in, in, in nice chunk synthesis, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. You know, like, yeah, I've thought about this a lot with like balancing the grid, you know, where I was like, if something has like a, if like is non-dispatchable and has a low capacity factor, I was like, you think about it like a coin toss. Is that going to reconcile close to 100% of the time? And can you make it reconcile? And if the answer is no, then you need something to support it. Yeah. It can't work I on mean, its own. You know, like, and, and that's only because, uh, again, it's the back office at Gold's Gym. I needed that explanation too. You know, like I needed a mental model for how this was going to work. I mean, in a way, like that's, I'm, it's not these, these mental models aren't like written out, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to put them together. The oxidation model, you know, oxidation ladder is one that people talk about, sure, but yeah, yeah. I, I am trying to create them in a sense too. So it's, I, part of it is like me trying to figure out how to explain people. I don't like already have everything written out, right? I am, that's, that's not where I'm at with this part. Yeah. It is a lot Would of, it, a lot wouldn't of it be great if that's how it actually works? You know what I mean? Where you're just like, well, this is like my master plan. <laughs> like explaining, but that's never how it goes. You're always like halfway through writing something. And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> 
every time I like, I think so. I, I sent you a draft of, of what I'm sending tomorrow or whenever, you know, that this goes live. Um, yeah. It's, it's like probably 80% different. <laughs> like it's not at all. <laughs> I, I, I was up at like 3am last, like, no, not that. Like, it's just yeah. constantly just like, no, that's not, not the way of saying it. That's, you know, it's, it's a iterative process for sure. Yeah. Well, why don't you give me, why don't you give me a little preview of this thing that's, uh, that's coming out by the way, everybody, uh, check the show notes again, feedstockland for the Substack, so you can go read these pieces. Uh, but what's Appreciate this? It. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna plug you as much <laughs> as possible, man. You're taking time out of your day to talk to me. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell me a little bit about this piece you have coming up? Yeah. Well, I think, um, right now, basically like the, the, the idea that I've built up so far is like, we're looking at reactions strictly in terms of how much energy they consume or release. Right. And, and that's one problem. Like if it's consuming energy, now we've got to deal with these emissions, right. From mm -hmm. driving the reaction with heat. The, the, the extra issue that the chemical industry deals with is that whenever you get, uh, whenever you're doing molecular transformations, right. Your level of control is a lot different than the amount of control you have when you're like assembling a truck or something, right. Mm -hmm. The truck parts go together one way. You're not going to put together a truck and end up with the Miata. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a truck when you make chemicals. Okay. It, it doesn't work like that. Like you can try your best to make the one you want, but we don't have that good of control. And this is, this is what catalysis is, is really about, right? It's mm -hmm. conversion, selectivity, these sort of terms. Um, what I'm trying to introduce with this next piece is two elements of kinetics, right? Um, just like the fire, when you want to get started, you have to give it a little bit of energy, right? Bonds are stable in their like natural in their state that they're in right now. If it's not reacting like in like while you're looking at it, it's not going to start randomly reacting. Mm -hmm. You've got to do something. So that that's the first bit. And and the second bit is that speed matters a lot. So like mm. in a chemical process, it's not just like five parts go together and you get one thing out. It's like you maybe you have two reactants, right? And they don't just combine in like one way. They can combine in three ways, or maybe you've got like four reactants. I don't know. Right. And then th those things make stuff. And then you've got those products and then those products react with the reactants. Like you've got this, all this hodgepodge of things going on. And so even if like a reaction, say you've got one reaction, that's like going to release a lot of energy. You're like, great. This is not going to be energy intensive at all. I'm going to make that one happen. You're forgetting that like other reactions happen at the same time. And so the one you want to happen, even if it's energetically favorable, might not happen um and i think you know this sort of thing is is uh often conflated with like why it's hard to uh utilize co2 right mm. we can use co2 to do certain things we do have like you know polycarbonate polyols i think you know there's like there are these polymers that we can make with co2 there's there's stuff you see people do it it's not like impossible it's just that a lot of times the the what you want to do is also in the mix of things that you don't want to happen in the same reactor. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, you know, I, I, I write it out a little clearer in the, uh, no, the I, I actually, it, but that's, that's I actually think that's great. I think that that was a nice little peek behind the curtain because I think for uh, a friend of the show, Isaac Orr, uh, grew, up, grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, now he does energy, energy analysis. Uh, he still lives in the Midwest. Love that guy. Uh, he's, he's a very funny dude. And he was always like, you want to know why I don't like people like you? He's like, cause you're from Illinois and you're from the suburbs. Now, the only <laughs> relevant part of this is that I'm from the suburbs. <laughs> uh, 
the fo- football fans will know why someone Wisconsin, from Wisconsin feels that way. Um, and I was like, why? And he's like, because you think milk comes from the store. Which yeah. is like the perfect well, thing for, there. yeah, yeah. It's like the perfect thing for a dairy farmer to say. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. And because there are a lot of things that can happen with the thing that you want while you're doing that that aren't what you want. And people who are downstream from that have no idea about the chaos of that. You know, I am totally outside of that world. And, you know, I'm going to be totally honest. It never really dawned on me. Like I knew there were accidents that could happen and stuff like that. But the level of precision that I assumed was not what I saw in the draft of that piece that you sent me. I was like, oh, so it's sticky. Like even now, like that's just an inherent feature. Of doing this ah yes yes it is uh it's not like it's impossible in theory right like uh enzymes are kind of like the holy grail of catalysts they're just mm-hmm. like infeasible to produce exactly the ones we want but in a way right like enzymes are they are allowing one reaction to happen and exactly the one you want to happen so i mean there's cost conversion issues all, all sorts of things but the uh yeah, there's there is inherently we have this big issue where we have a really hard time making reactions do exactly what we want them to do. And so, what does that mean for the industry? Like, what does that mean for chemical companies? Like, what are the is is that a safety issue? Is that an economic issue? Like, what type of problems are like yeah. are sort of knock onto that? Why don't you tell me about yeah. that? I mean, it's it's an economic issue. It's it's uh, you when you make something you don't want to make uh, along with it you need to deal with it right so like you know like are you familiar with say basf's like giant verbund in in, in germany like they have yeah, this like enormous are, site aren't they moving out of germany right now in a, a large part because of the energy costs there um, yeah I, I, you know they're, they're, that is a definitely sidebar a I think they're, they're, <laughs> they're definitely downturning a lot of stuff but yes yeah, sidebar um i think yeah but basically the Kind of lost my train of thought there, though. Um, so you were going to talk about like what they have to do. They have to handle the stuff that might not uh, be yes. what they want. Well, I mean, so yes, that's what I was getting at. Like, why is that site so enormous, right? Mm-hmm. And the site is enormous because when you make one chemical, you're like, okay, I got like 80% of what I wanted, but now I've got this other thing to deal with. And it's like, what do you do with that? Like when the chemical industry started, we just dumped that. Like we don't do that anymore. Yeah. So we we don't dump it, right? We try to figure out ways to use it. And so it just ends up being this like sprawling mess of like, oh, no, you're going to catch it here and like catch it here. And so it's like no one can develop like a very capital efficient process to produce the one thing you want. You have to like buy all this equipment and have this enormous site just to do the one chemical you wanted. Like that's I mean, you really ideally no one really wants to start from the, you know, the building block material and and have to go through 50 steps to get to the, the thing downstream. Like ideally, you just kind of you skip the whole value chain. but that's not how it works. So, uh, you know, it basically ends up making the industry like very expensive to, to build stuff. I was about to say that's like capital intensive. It seems that seems to encourage a certain level of vertical integration mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for Definitely a lot of does. reasons, like operationally as well as economically, um, you know, to keep that going. It almost makes me think of like a theme park where mm. it's like, you know, people will describe parts of a theme park as like, okay, so Disney World has four parks, right? And Animal Kingdom is generally called a half-day park. And that's bad. 
right? Because you want everything to be a whole day park because that means that people are staying there, they're buying the food, they're getting every little, all of the other things you want to have happen or every other thing that you could use needs to make sure that it's using every single part of the day. And it seems to be sort of what you're telling me with in terms of how these chemical processes happen where like sure you can't really just dump it anymore and also you can make money off of not dumping it so you can't have a chemical plant that's a half day park that thing needs to be a whole day park it has to be that's exactly right yep and i think that's i mean that kind of this will eventually lead to like right like this this uh the big complex thing it's all about like the, the third element of uh the third basic thing to get at with this you know, like your chemical industry 101 is the separations processes. So, you know, this is a, like, how do we, like, so we got this mixture of stuff, like now we need to separate it. And it's like about recycling things and then using it elsewhere. So it ends up becoming, that's kind of like the third component is like how we end up dealing with the inherent issue of not being able to be a full day park. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fascinating problem to solve. And it's not one that I think the public is really privy to. Because like you said, no. when GM or, you know, when, when Ford makes an F-150, like they're doing that the whole time, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. No, it's, I mean, we, we put chemical plants far away from like where people live for the most part for good reason. Like, you know, as you've seen, like accidents do happen. Um, and, you know, because of that, like it is kind of out of sight mind. And when you're driving between places and you see like enormous plants, you're not like thinking about like, why is it so large and integrated you're like what is that thing and like why is it spewing stuff like that's about as far as the thoughts i think go with yeah. i don't know you know the bulk of people but yeah that's how <laughs> my thought process used to be like i was totally thinking i used to absolutely think like that and then i remember driving by some energy infrastructure with my wife and i was just like oh like that's a coal plant and then you can see like this other thing next to it and i was like Damn, two years ago, like I would have been like, that's a lot of metal. It seems like oh, yeah. you got a lot of metal going on there. <laughs> Lots of metal. No, it's it you can't really, it's hard to disambiguate without like a little bit of information about, I mean, even say like just being able to pick up that like it's a coal plant where you see the the conveying, like the, the conveyors, right? That's that's all you really need to pick it out. Um, yeah. people, I mean, in your in your background, like these giant, like uh sorry, uh Steam towers, yeah. yeah, steam towers. Like um, the people associate with that with uh, nuclear, but it's not just nuclear that has those things, right? That's no. just kind of what people are stuck with that image in their mind that that's nuclear. But that's largely, I think, because of the be. Simpsons, you know, like because that's the <laughs> in the Simpsons plant, Mister Burns's plant. It is those like the sort of like hourglass shaped uh, mm. steam towers, right? Like that's why I thought that that was strictly nuclear. Yeah, actually. I did a little bit of research on this and I'm probably not remember exactly, but there was some sort of bill or, or something was passed that, that changed it. So there, there's like a set of nuclear plants or a set of like power plants after a certain date started having these and previously didn't, I don't, I don't know exactly, but maybe you find interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably look into that. So um, let me ask you like another question, like who's, who's your ideal reader? For foodstock man, tell me that because like, that's a yeah. I I love your reaction already because like people asked me that and I'm just like, buddy, <laughs> the people who read it. I don't know. I think 
I think I would probably call them like the like generally curious community. I, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the reason, like I'm a big Beehive fan for sure. The mm-hmm. reason I, I went to Substack was because Substack has this like already like very large audience of, of individuals with long attention spans. And like, that's kind of what yeah, I'm going after. Like someone who a, will. Yeah. That's such a great point because like, the UI for Substack really lends itself to that. It's not just the community that's there, which is there. You're right. Right. Um, but uh, in Beehive, where our other newsletters run, because we're that, right. <laughs> we're those types of guys are way better for if you're just doing like under 1K words, like here's what's up. Like here's what you oh, need yeah. to know. You know? Oh, yeah. And still, in, in Substack, that looks weird. It's like, why it's is just... this so short? Yeah. No, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a natural shareability aspect of it, right? Like I've been writing the column for three years. No one's ever asked me to do a podcast, right? I write one article on Feedstock Land. There's a sense of like, you can do news updates and that's interesting and useful, but it's mostly interesting and useful to people that are like really in the industry. It's not enough to really like spark a conversation or, or or do really much with it. So platforms like Beehive are great for, you know, like, uh, that kind of audience, but, uh, yeah, if you if you want to like reach a broad audience and like start like educating people broadly about something that they probably should learn about, but maybe aren't in it in it, like that's that's the kind of way of doing it. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who they are, but I'm I I imagine there are a lot of like your listeners or you know probably a subset of Doombergs. You know, there's just like there are people that talk about this stuff every once in a while on the internet, yeah. and I hope that uh, it, it strikes a nerve with people, a lot of the energy people for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely fascinated in sort of being on the journey of getting more uh, feedstock land in my inbox. You know, oh. like I want to figure this stuff out. I hope my, I'm sure a lot of my listeners will. Um, and so before we sort of wrap up here, like where can people reach you uh, other than than here? Do you have a Twitter? Do you have any place? And by the way, people, I will also put that in the show notes so that you don't have to type it in yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, you can find me on, on Twitter. Uh, it's Yeah, you'll find it on the description. Um, but website-wise, you know, I, I, I operate Feedstockland on Substack. You can give it a search there um, or the link down in the description. And uh, same thing with the column. Um, if you if you really want to stay up to date on, on all the happenings of the broader chemical process industries, like be my guest, like come yeah. learn. There's, there's a, I, I write a, very, a very broad spectrum of, of topics there. Like I might talk about sulfur processing one day and then, plastic recycling the next and then some sort of obscure chemical that you'll probably only hear about one time in your whole life the next day and so it's a uh, it's fun but i mean that's that's kind of the ways to reach me at this point um just kind of ramping up great. great so everybody uh i've already told you enough times go check out darius's stuff darius thank you for joining me and everybody stay strong stay sharp and stay radiant we will see you next time